Welcome to Canny Cross Conversations with me, Michelle. And me, Louise, talking all things dogs, running and canny sports. This episode is sponsored by the Get Stronger Run a Faster 5K course. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with their dogs. In this episode of Canny Cross Conversations, Louise and I chatted to Dawn, who organises the Canix races. Now, Canix is one of the first Canny Cross events that started. Um, and is pure canny cross. Um, so we we had a lot of questions for Dawn, me especially as somebody who has never raced and um, who Louise is still trying to convince that racing is a good idea. So we had a lot of questions for Dawn, didn't we? But, but didn't she give you some really good advice? Uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. In, in, in the episode. Um, so hopefully next season we will see if Poppy can can try it and and it's not just about poppy is it it's about your anxiety for it as well and and how she reacts so um hopefully the one has put a few of those things to rest so if you're new to canny cross or have a reactive dog it's a really interesting episode to listen to but it's also really good because we're doing a series of um canny cross events uh, across the country and um yeah this one it's to give you a flavor of them um, and what to expect so this is really interesting one thing we didn't talk about and we talked about afterwards was kids wasn't it Michelle and you asked the question yeah I was asking the question because I am obviously anxious to go to a canny cross race because my dog is so reactive <laughs> um, so so my thoughts were perhaps I can get my daughter involved with my mum's Jack Russell um, because she loves running with him and he is he loves other dogs I'd have no issues with him and actually the Canic series children from age six upwards to age 15 are able to race um so that might be a way to ease my own worries about it as well yeah and 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 it was really interesting and and you know up to the age of 10 wasn't it 10 depending on when your birthday is yeah. you, you could you have to race with an adult but you don't have to be attached yeah. um depends on the, the size of the depends dog on the dog yes yeah <laughs> um but then afterwards you 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 and and you run by yourself but but that's quite interesting because it teaches the the child about running with the dog and and learning to control a dog as well so a brilliant way to get your kids involved so canics do that um and yeah some of those courses that I've done so far are quite technical so um that's a really good place to start yeah they sound like brilliant races so do do check them out give the episode a listen um, and then go and have a look at what they offer there there will be one near to you yeah because they do it all over the UK so yeah do that so have a listen enjoy and let us know if you're going to give it a go Welcome to this week's episode of Canny Cross Conversations. Now, this week we have Dawn Crook Richards with us, who is the race owner, director, and general dog's body of Canex events. And we're going to talk about um, racing, basically, and what you can expect. Um, so, Dawn, welcome. Thank you. Do, do introduce yourself a little bit more. Okay. So, um, I'm Dawn, and um, I'm currently, the, as you said, the owner and, and just generally everything really from um, course um, designer and um, race director for Canix Events. Uh, we took over in 2016 
Canix itself started in 2005 and um, and basically I got involved in Canicross in about 2007 when I was at, I was been running with my dogs anyway. I had two spaniels at the time, used to run with them off lead, went to a country fair and somebody gave me a business card for Canix while I was there. And I looked at it and thought, actually, that's a good thing. I quite like that. I went, I entered events, running events, didn't ever have this idea that I could do a running event with my dog. Wow. So my my first experience of Canny Cross was actually at a Canix event at Sense Valley. And I took my dog, George, uh, my Springer Spaniel, and I took him because he was the one that wouldn't pull me. And I thought that would be a good idea. I was going to have this web. <laughs> dog that, that <laughs> and then realized actually you've got that wrong you actually you want the other dog that does actually pull you <laughs> but in those days it was very much uh, in its infancy outside of sled dog events there was there was nothing there was no clubs there was none of the social groups there was absolutely nothing so we were really there you know sort of more or less in right at the start so was Canix one of the first ones then I think Canix was the first one that took it outside of sled dog sports and said you could enter with any breed of dog. So prior to that, you you needed to go to a, a sled dog event. And um, and I think very much in those days, it would be about Nordic breeds. And, you know, you could only, some of it, you could only do it if you had a Casey registered Husky and, and that, that kind of thing. Um, whereas they said, no, it can be any breed of dog as long as your dog is fit uh, physically fit and mentally fit to run you can run with your dog yeah. that's great isn't it I mean it's not even that long ago really is it or is that no. just my age showing <laughs> no it's not you know in, in in those days like I said there was nothing there I, and there was there was no kit either so um when we when we first went um and you know you were allowed to run with you with your dog in in a way that we would not, would not encourage now um, to run with your dog on a on a lead and you know and, and perhaps even on its collar so things have definitely evolved and, and improved um but you know the kit actually came in from America and okay. and you had we had um I've still got the original belt it's actually for ski during it was from a company called ski Dure, and um and it was a expat expat harness or 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 an expat harness <laughs> that's all they were oh, really of harness you know we saw the harnesses come in later on as we, as we carried on in the sport so yes it's, it's it's amazing now how much it's grown and developed in such that short period of time really yeah that's incredible that's like 50 years isn't it it's it's not long I mean how what were the kit requirements when you started were there any or no no it was make it up it, as you went along yeah, it was come along and have a go. Come with your um, come with your dog. Um, you couldn't have anything that restricted breathing, so you could never have halties, choke chains, flexes, half choke, all of those sort of things. Um, the dog always, if they needed to be muzzled, it was even back in those days. It was the dog has to have a greyhound muscle so that they can gape. So there was still welfare things in then, yeah. but wasn't so there wasn't the thing. I think particularly starting off, it was you can come and have a go, but then there was definitely an encouragement to get the pro to get the kit and to put your dog into a harness. 
Um, whereas now we actually have a set of kit or a couple of sets of kit that we could loan out. So if somebody turns up now as a complete beginner um, and comes along to the event, we can actually kit them out in the correct kit so they can run and they can run safely. So. Yeah. Brilliant. So just step back a bit. What made you, you said you took it on in 2016. What made you do that then? Obviously, you've been participating. Yeah, um, so I was participating um, all that time before then, and um, I'd done things like I'd been on the um, on the technical committee. So what is now evolved into being race referees. Um, so I, you know, really got involved in looking, you know, if there were any things around the rules and those and developing that side of things. Then uh, I've been out to um, Europe, I'd raced in, in Poland um, at the. European Championships, uh, race when the um, championships were here in 2012 in Sirencester. Um, and I've been team captain then uh, as well. So, um, and basically Eileen and Richard, who'd, who'd started it all, said, you know, they wanted to retire. They, they had other things that they wanted to go and do. Um, you know, so, and, and they spoke to um, Dave, my husband and I, and said, well, really, if, if you guys don't take it on, we can't think of anybody else that could take it. And um, they'd already, you know, sort of, we'd run a couple of events for them while they'd been out of the country. Um, So they'd sort of given us a taste of it and said, well, how would you feel about taking it on? Because we don't feel really that there's anybody else, you know, in, in a position to at the moment. Um, and we just knew that there was this strong group of pre- people that, I mean, the thing about, I think, our events is it is, is really sort of a community uh, feel about it. And that, and that sort of social side of it um, has always been sort of quite strong because after the races, because we're on site and we're, we're very often camping, people are sort of meeting up and, you know, we will have, a you know, a drink or something in the evening or or whatever it might be, or cheese and cheese and biscuit party or something <laughs> everybody bring a local cheese and, and all of these sort of types kind of things so it, it, it was just like I didn't we did, didn't want to stop we didn't want to stop having the events ourselves and we we knew that there were other people that didn't want them to stop who really enjoyed them so we just said well let's let's give it a go and see how it goes so so your event is a, a little bit different actually isn't it because well who is it for mainly um well it's we are pure canicross um but i would say we're from in that we're for anybody from age six upwards and that's that is our our age range within our our classes as well um and we have we have people of of all sorts of ability i mean we have the elite athletes who come and run and run with us but you know, I, I, we also have a lot of what I would say maybe more recreational runners. Our biggest class at any of our events is um, over 50s females. And, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and if, if you look at uh, runners, I was looking at some statistics a little while ago, the majority of runners are women. Um, and then when you bring a dog into that and you think, well, why have we got so many women who want to run with their dogs? And it's 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 very often because, you know, we will, we like company when we run and we've got that little bit of safety, haven't we, and backup. Yeah. But 
if your dog's out with you. You know, even if you've got the softest dog on the planet, I <laughs> nobody else knows that. So it's a bit of a, it's going to put people off. Um, and I think it is, it's that safety, that safety thing. And people like to come and do something, think for enrichment activities with their dog as well. So, and I think our events, yes, we, we do give, um, we do give podium prizes and those kind of things, but also we will cheer in the person who's, you know, taken an hour to run a 5k course because they've achieved you know, for them, they might have just achieved their personal best, you know, and they, they've got around that. And that's that's really, really important, you know, that somebody's got around it. They've, you know, they've really pushed themselves, you know, in terms of their own resilience. And I think that's sort of celebrated as well. And sorry, Michelle, because these I've having done a couple now and I've only done them this year, actually, and I've really enjoyed them because they're just canny cross. They are very different from sort of the Canning Cross Midlands or who have a lot more, you know, they have bike jewel and scooters and stuff like that. They're very technical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we're done and dusted by 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> True. We're <laughs> having a coffee and a cake, <laughs> which does, you know, give us that advantage, I guess, sort of at some of the warmer ends of the season because we are done early. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they are technical, and I and I guess that's that's partly because that's what we inherited originally. Yeah, some of the original courses um, still stand. They we've not touched them, um, but then obviously we've also developed new courses. So Pembrey, we've got four different courses there now, um, and they're all probably technical um, because I think that's what I enjoy running. But also, I look at my dogs when I run the course. I very often design a course with my dog with me. And I look at her, I look at her body language and see where she's getting interested and where she's getting excited. And my mine, they they all my dogs have, you know, from the spaniels through to the GSPs I've got now, they love that twisty, turny, single track. That's when they really, you know, sort of almost rev up and become more alert and really into it. So the, the courses are designed to be interesting, not only to the human, but particularly for the dog. So the, the dog's really, you know, because the human's happy when the dog's working with them and that, that sort of really good feeling you get when you're working as a team together. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. So just describe for those listening what you mean exactly by a technical course. What, what can we expect? So. Um, all of ours tend to be trail um, and they're, you know, they're usually in woods. We have a couple that might use a bit of meadow, um, but usually, so for technical, I'd think of twisty, single track, uh, maybe um, a little bit underfoot. So you might have to have a bit of fast feet because there might be a few roots, um, uneven ground. So, you know, real sort of things that you'd find I get on cross country because, it is cross country running with dogs and I, you know, I really go for that side of it when I'm doing it. So you might get a little bit of, you know, you might get some downhills as well. You, you know, um, you might get short, sharp bits. Um, so you've really you've got to use all of your canny cross skills. It's not just, you know, for us, it's not just about having a big dog that can pull you. Um, you've got to have that ability to be able to train your dog um, so your dog, you can take, take the pace off your dog. You can increase the pace with the dog when you want to increase the pace. Um, 
you've got your directional commands and you know even I even think down to um sort of race tactics so knowing where you're going to actually wait behind somebody and then surge go past them when it's a little bit wider so it brings all of those things into play so it's not just physically demanding it's mentally demanding runner and dog really and do you know what I quite like about it when we did it is that it's not you're right in saying it's not so important about the dog because obviously, you know, I race against people that have got hounds and I've got a Labrador and, you know, she's fast, don't get me wrong, um, but she's not going to be the same sort of speed as a hound. And so the technical ones are, are really good because, yeah, it is about you working together and not necessarily about speed. So actually they're, they're really fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Really, really enjoy it. So... We talk about the course as being technical. So is it really a good course for a beginner? Um, I think so, because I think you just run it slowly. And you run, you, run it, you run it within your abilities. And as you get, you know, there'll be sections within all of them that are easy running that you can actually sort of switch off a bit on and go, right, okay, let's just go now. Um But then, you know, you've got that next bit that that's the next bit that's a little bit of a challenge. But um, but I would anticipate that, you know, anybody that is has come into these days, most people that are coming to a canny cross race have actually done some canny cross before. They've run with their dog somewhere else. And so all of it really then is is within their within their abilities. Um, they may be challenged a little bit more. Than, but again, we also have a short course. So if somebody wanted to come along and do a shorter distance, when we call that a have a go, so if somebody wasn't sure, they can just dip their toe in and and and, and have a, a feel of what it might be like that way. Or we have got some courses that are, um, you know, not as technically challenging as well. So um, I'm thinking about something like Shipley Country Park, for example, which has got some technical sections in it, but is much sort of more open, flatter, uh, on grassy trails and those sort of things as well so, so do you whereabouts are your races based then where do they happen all over so we go all from we've got we do, we've only got the one in scotland uh up at glam's castle which is part of our fur nation series but then uh yeah we're we're sort of all the way wherever we find a, a forest that's happy to <laughs> really got delamere Northwest Dolby in the sort of northeast, um, and then we come all the way down to sort of like the M4 corridor and the Forest of Dean and things. So, so you you just mentioned the Fur Nations there. What what's that about? Okay, so we we run two race series really. So one is our national championship, and the other is the Fur Nations. And the Fur Nations is the competition between England, Scotland, and Wales. It's very much much based about having a team. Um, so each class, and we have 10 age classes, each class needs to have six representatives in it um, to avoid getting the dreaded penalty points. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, really, it's then, it's then who's, who's fastest from there on. What's brilliant about it for me, again, it's that inclusive thing where you get somebody who's a much slower runner, but um, but they count for their team and they they stop their their team from getting penalty points. So they're they're as important as your person who can go out there and run, you know, a sub 15 5k. 
because that person at the back is is making the person at the front getting you know first place it's making it worth them getting first place for for it so it's very much about teams and it gets into that sort of team spirit and it's we do a leg in each country so and it's over the bank holiday weekends in um spring so we kick off in wales at pembrey country park which is just like the most amazing venue uh we do three days at each event but pembrey is i think a lot of people say it's their favorite race of the year and it's two miles and um and it's on the beach and it's uh, yeah it's It's a sight they look amazing yeah it's a sight to behold absolutely uh we have had up to 250 runners down there on that beach um set off which was um yeah uh, amazing (laughs) absolutely stunning to see i mean there is drone footage of that race around as well um and you know with with less runners than that and even with less runners it's it's stunning um so yeah we do we do Pembrey, then we come up. We've just changed it this year. We've done the second leg at Cannock Chase for the England leg. And now we're we're up and then we went up to Scotland and we finished in Scotland at Glam's Castle, which again is the most amazing venue to you know drive through these enormous castle gates and come down a driveway and there's a castle in front of you with sort of fairy tale turrets. And so when you're running up the driveway, we do the starts up the drive away from the castle. So the castle's in the background. They let us run in parts of the estate. They don't let anybody else into for the 10K there. Just It's just stunning. Yeah. No, they always, I always keep thinking I must come and do this because they look, <laughs> look amazing. So talk to me a bit about the, the starts. We've talked about that mess start, the mass start. Are most of your other races are they kind of staggered starts? Are they how do, how do they work? Well, we only really do one mass start, and that is the beach, and that is the mass start or mass starts. Really, that's where we might have. Um, well, when we had two hundred and fifty, we made it into two waves of about a hundred in each. But you know that is mass. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've got the whole width of a beach to sort of spread yourself out and get yourself into your space in so um and then it is like a cavalry charge down the beach um but then the we only have two more which are actually Cannock and Glam's and we do those as wave starts so um we put at Glam's we cut the wave size down and we we cut it to 10 and I think we wouldn't go above 10 now um so again, you've got space in 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 the um, in your start box and get yourself into space, and then it is three, two, one, go, and and you set off with your wave, um, and then every other race race that we do is an individual um, staggered start. So interval starts. So yeah, but. but I guess, I mean, the thing about a mass start is you get everybody off the line really quickly. Although, you know, you're relying on people to, you know, take responsibility for their dog. And and we did put some training in around that following um, Canuck this year. Um, But again, the interval start, you've got that little bit more of a weight perhaps, but you are off the line by yourself then. and and to be fair, because most of our events, you wouldn't have space to do anything but an interval start. So you might be starting on you know a, a, a track that's only a meter and a half wide or something. So there's no there's no way other than an interval start. 
if it's sort of really, are those intervals dawn how how long do you have it it really depends on the course because somewhere like the forest of dean where you run out and you've got about 150 meters of straight flat and then you're into a bit technical stuff the gaps between the runners are bigger and we might also seed something like that as well so that again there's less overtaking where if we've got you know a several you know a couple of hundred meters or something of it being really straight and and actually plenty of space then you know we might only give 15 10 or 15 seconds and it'd be out quite quickly Um, it does go quite quickly I know ours was only about 15 seconds and it was boom 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 (laughs) up a hill (laughs) (laughs) which was quite good fun I have to say um so Michelle you were before we started recording you were talking about because we know Michelle hasn't raced done a candy cross race yet <laughs> yeah we, Poppy and I have never done a race um for those who've listened a long time you'll know that Poppy is a rescue dog she's she's coming up for six now she's very reactive though still even with you know she's okay with dogs you know she's okay one-on-one with dogs that we do sessions with but I really worry that if I put her in a race environment like that, she'll she'll just be too, just too overexcited and it'll just all go wrong. I mean, <laughs> is, is a race like that the environment for somebody with a dog like Poppy and for somebody who is anxious for their dog like I am? Um, um, you know, what would you say to us? We, we get asked this question quite, quite a bit. And, you know, if, if I'm honest and I, you know, and I, I, I think, and I've talked to, to a couple of other people about this, that if your dog is reacting all the time to the point where they're trigger stacking, yeah. um, then, then perhaps a race environment is not for your dog. Yeah. And I know that now about, oh, canny cross is really good for reactive dogs, but maybe, you know, in that enrichment way and maybe you know like you say she gets on with dogs that she knows mm-hmm. however having said that we do get people that will message me and say I've got a really reactive dog once we're running we'll be fine but she doesn't like dogs coming up behind her so I say well that's fine we'll start you at the back okay. and then and then you can do you know you can do that and we have other people who have got, you know, oh, I've got a really anxious dog and he, he might not actually go over the start line. And we've got a regular runner with a dog like that. They go out early. They go about 10 minutes ahead because for me, it's about the dog. Yeah. And they've never been asked to be put into this situation. We are putting them into this situation. So my job as a race director is to think about that dog and how that dog is um, and so we've got a couple that go out ahead um, and they go early for, for, you know, whether it's about reactivity or if you've got somebody who's really fast with a reactive dog, they're better off going out ahead. Yeah. Um, this nervous, anxious dog doesn't want to go over the line, needs a quiet start, goes over the line. We've also got somebody who's um, run with a, a blind, a dog is completely blind. Um, she actually, um, she was found as a puppy clinging to um, a log in a river in oh. um country in Eastern Europe. It, it's it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but that little dog, she's um, she has a lovely life now living with her owner, Helene. Um, but Helene's managed to get her, her canny crossing. And, but obviously she relies a lot on all of her other senses. So she's done some of, she's done, she's done the night race. But we know that when, um, 
she comes in, it's a silent finish and nobody makes a noise. So she's, and she's been around us before. So she kind of knows our smells. So, you know, we try and be as accommodating as we can be really for, for everybody so that we can get people there that want to be there. So, so would you suggest that if someone's worried that they would contact you or go to your website or whatever, just to find out a little bit more about it? Yeah, I think they'd probably be, you know, better off. Um, yeah, give just drop me a message because a lot of people, you know, it's just, oh, I just, I'd rather be closer to the back, or you know, if I if I wear my, you know, wear my, my t shirt that says "Give me space." Um, I mean, it's always you're always reliant on the rest of your canny crossers to actually take notice of that. But you know, we do say people in, in the same way we've had people who have run with us who are profoundly deaf um and we've had to say well you you know you they can't hear you coming up so you know you've got to pick your space to overtake properly and not expect them to be able to do anything until they see your dog's nose next to their leg so you know find it find an appropriate place so again um, I think that's probably where we are trying to work on that sort of inclusivity sort of side of things. I think that's brilliant. And actually, when we've done a, a podcast with um, a blind dog, well, obviously we didn't talk it to is. the dog. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and she was really good. Uh, it was Juno and Dill, isn't it? That's um, but th- So that, that was really good and really interesting to hear how she dealt with it. I was just going to say, we, uh, we have um, in our social runs, we have a reactive dog who has who has changed amazingly but I think it's like what you say Michelle that she's now Rosie's now in a space where she can yeah she knows each uh, all the dogs yeah and actually we run with her and we if there's a dog coming towards us we sort of barricade her in but she's quite happy keep running then Um, and she has raced and she's raced at Canning Cross Midlands obviously we're in the Midlands so that was an easy one for her to go to and and I just, and I think you guys would be the same. Everyone was so supportive of her doing this and, and the dog really, Rosie really enjoyed it. So there's pros and cons, isn't there? There of, are. Of, I'm, I'm you know, still torn. It sounds like you're really accommodating. Um, I think you'll find a lot of them yeah. on. And, and as we go through this series of, you know, yeah. and across events, I think that, I think that theme will come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as you said right at the beginning, Dawn, it's about inclusivity and it's about getting people out there and running. And it's, it's brilliant. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be fast. But talking about that, so you talked about the race series. What does that, so you have? How many weekends do you have it through the season, or how many races do you have? And do you um, have all of them, or to be part of that series? No. Um, well, last year we did. Uh, I, I counted it up at the end of the season, and we'd done twenty six races, not in cloud wow. nations. That's individual days. Um, so uh, the race races take place over the weekend, but you don't have to do both days. However, to podium, we do accumulate the times. So right. it, both days for that. But every time you race, um, you score points um, for our national championship and then they accumulate over the season as well. Um, now, you've got to do eight races over the season for it to count. So sort of four weekends a full or four full weekends or parts of weekends to, to count in the championship. But you know, we had people last year who um who who 
came on into the actual final podium for the championship who'd done eight races. Um, again, it just depends. And again, I quite like that because I know some of the faster runners don't because they just want to do a couple of races and, and win and, and then that's it. But what's really great is it means that your slower runner that comes to a lot of events actually wins in the championship and gets a championship place and not and in fact you know might even win the championship for yeah. their because you know or and we have an overall winner of the championship as well and that's that is generally somebody who's been to a lot of events but they're kind of rewarded for you know supporting our events really in that way um but we also have a couple of standalone events as well um so last last year we did western Burt and that was on its that was a standalone it wasn't part of the championship um this year we're trying something completely new um we produced the um dawn to dusk race which is a 12 Uh endurance event um and it's taking place at box end in october so like i say we've never done it before we'll see how it goes it's 5k laps the dogs can't do any more than eight laps, but you can use as many dogs as you want. Humans can do as many as you like because you know what you're letting yourself in for. Um, <laughs> uh, but again, it's the case of if somebody wants to come and do one lap for that and run as part of a team of four and do one lap for that team of four, then that's that's fine because that's their contribution. Somebody else in that team might want to go out and, and run a full marathon. But at the end, the winner will be the team that's done a team of four that's done the most laps a pair that's done the most laps or a single person that's done the most laps so we just thought we'd we'd see if we could appeal to some of the you know absolute nutters that run. <laughs> I've, I've just made myself a note get get my canny crosses so yeah let's get a team together that sounds like a good event for your group actually Louise yeah, yeah. I love that. it does but the other thing about box end although it's not my favorite place to run because it's a long straight coming back, isn't there? And it's just like, oh, I just want to get to the end. It's probably um, quite good for reactive dogs because there's plenty of space to pass. And uh, yeah, so it's have to get you down, Michelle. Um, you know, it's quite a nice one to do, but there's a little bit of technical in there as well. So um, yeah, it's quite it's quite good. So we'll keep it. Go on, sorry. Well, we'll put an aid station in the top end and that will... Um, yeah, break break that back straight up a little bit. Maybe you know, if you've got a jelly baby at the top of it and a jelly baby at the end of it, yeah, might be motivation. Yeah, well, don't talk to me about jelly babies. I had a nasty incident with jelly. Oh. <laughs> we won't go there anyway. Can people camp at your event, Dawn? Is the camping available? And uh, almost all of them, yeah. yeah. The only one that we don't have camping at, we do for marshals only, but not for everybody else's Western Burt. Uh, so we're really careful about the time of year we do Western Burt to make sure that local campsites are open. And that's that's just purely because, I mean, Western Burt is quite a special place. I don't know if you've ever been to the National Arboretum. Yeah, it's beautiful, but, isn't it? Yeah. So, so yeah, there's no camping at Western Burt, but they've got lots and lots of stunningly special trees so it is worth it so you talked about your marshals and your volunteer are they all volunteers or are they so how what's your team like for these events um i i'm i am so so lucky in that i have 
not only athletes that will follow us around the country, but um, marshals that will follow us around the country, just purely to marshal. Um, wow. um, so Diane and Sheila, for example, Diane used to run, but she now takes the photographs for us very often. Yeah. Uh, Sheila's marshaled for as long as I've I've been doing canny cross. Sheila's been one of our canics marshals. So, you know, she's, you know, she's, they're amazing. I say they follow us almost everywhere around the country. Um, and, you know, Linda, who does our starts and finish again, um, Ian's not uh, no longer running, but they just love seeing the events and supporting the other runners. So, you know, that's what their input into the community is to come along and to help us. And then, sorry. No, sorry, you cut off a bit there. They're, they're, they're really good and they're very, very motivating when you're like uh, in a load of mud. I think I was, it was like, just go, go, go. So, yeah, <laughs> they're really good. Do you offer photographs at your events? You mentioned a photographer there. Yeah, so we we nearly always have a photographer. So either Diane, who just does it for her own enjoyment, and then we pop them up onto our Canics. Um, we have a Canics UK photos page, so they they go on there and and um, uh, those ones on there, and and that's where we put anybody who goes along and who wants to take photographs. They pop them into there, and then people share them from there. And then sometimes as well, we also have an an official photographer, a professional who will then obviously use their usual channels of um, using their own website and, and offering for sale photographs. Um, yeah, which we always have to buy. So, yeah. <laughs> so just, just uh, we've been talking a lot in our, on our podcasts uh, about climate and, you know, obviously everything that's happening in the environment. Are Canex doing anything um, at their events to sort of help with that? Or? Uh, I think... <laughs> I think and you mentioned climate, I immediately go, ooh, because obviously the biggest impact we're we're going to have is um is taking the vehicles because yeah. we're we're taking, you know, we're taking a Land Rover that's pulling a, a trailer um and taking a, a diesel motorhome as well. And and our mileage is ridiculous every year. Mm-hmm. Um it our mileage is huge. Um I mean I I can't. I'd, I wouldn't like to think about how many miles I do, but if I my Land Rover's done nearly three hundred thousand miles, they're not all for Canic, but you know we're we're computing that. Um, at least I'm saving the environment from keeping the same car going forever. <laughs> um, but I I do I do look at we use all our signage is reusable, so. Yeah. Uh, we're cutting down on our sort of single-use plastic, all our cable ties, our reusable cable tie. So everything everything we put into a forest, we bring back out with us as well. Uh, we don't leave anything in there. Um, our bibs are recyclable. And we try, we're pushing people to recycle, you know, when they're camping, to recycle their waste um, and that they've got. So lots of us, you'll see, will, would have like a... Uh, a bag hanging on our fence mainly because we put it on the fences to keep it away from the dogs so we hang a bag on the fence round, round, round your pen and that's where the recyclables go and they're either recycled on site or we just take them them home to do that um, but yeah and, and I suppose really what we're trying to do I don't know about anybody else but you know in terms of mental health as well but 
you go into, for me, I go into the forest, I go into the mountains and I just, for somebody who is, I am really busy because I do have another job, another two or three jobs actually. Um, So I just go in and I don't think about anything else. It's about being in that, that environment and I just think if we can you know get people starting to appreciate you know particularly youngsters that are coming because we do have kids running with us they actually start appreciating their environment thinking about looking after their environment where very often you know Cannock Chase is is an area of outstanding natural beauty it's also got SSSIs on there as well so we really are you know talking about impact and I suppose the other thing that we have when we talk about um, impact is uh, dog poo. Mm-hmm. I talk about dog poo. Um, yeah, so do we. But you know, just thinking about when you're on farmland, removing that, and and starting to teach people of well, yes, it's farmland, and no, it's not on a path, but yes, you still need to remove it um, because of the impact on on cattle and you know and and other livestock that might be there i think hopefully that also is spreading that word as you know it's impact on environment and responsible dog ownership as well isn't it really so i guess that maybe we ought to really look at when i can buy an electric van that can get me to scotland without me having to recharge it 27 times no you won't do that but it's, inter- it's interesting just to start to think about it isn't it and and, and what you said uh, is a really good you know thing to, to start and that's I think that's all we can do at the moment is just mm-hmm. start to be aware of it a bit more yeah and just make small changes if we all make small changes we have a big impact don't we yeah yeah, yeah. so sh- shall we finish off then with you know what is so special about your events Dawn? why should people listening think right I'm going to sign up one of your events um possibly one of our unique selling points really is the fact that we are pure canny cross the courses are designed for canny cross we don't have to take into account um you know, wheels for example um so we 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 build everything around that we build it around the dogs as well so i think you know we are really dog focused and dog centered in our approach i think we also build that atmosphere um you know I do say to people don't worry we don't mind if you shout the dogs in (laughs) and you know we'll stand on the finish line shouting for people's dogs you know to come in and you can see them they go oh and they you know they'll pick up and they'll they'll come running come running in and they you know you see them coming over the line some of them there's there's one dog you know at the fur nations he came over the line his head was in the air he had almost like a big smile on his face he was his whole body was wagging you can see he's just so so pleased with himself he'd just run with one of the kids um so yeah so we try and create that atmosphere with and and supporting people as well so i think you know, people don't want to come to events because they think I'm not good enough. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not like they, you know, they look at the speedy runners and they look at, you know, the people that I say, you know, the ones that are built like racing snakes and, and they think that's not me. And so therefore I can't go. And at our events, we, you know, we really do. It's any breed of dog. It's any speed of runner. Um, and it's just come along and, and, you know, if it's about having fun with your dogs, and I think that's got to always be at the core of what we do. Doesn't mean to say that you can't be competitive, but at the core of it is you've got to be enjoying it and your dog has got to be enjoying it as well. And that's the reason to come to our events. 
And I think that's, yeah, I think that sums it up. Um, and yes, thank you. So where can people find you? Um, so we're on Facebook. We are Canix UK official or Canicross UK official on Facebook. We are on uh, our website, which is uh, canix.co.uk. Um, we are also on Instagram as Canix UK and we are on Twitter as Canix UK. And we are, as of this week now, on TikTok as Canix because <laughs> I get down with the kids. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I heard Emily talking about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I thought I'd better have a TikTok account so I could follow Emily if nothing else. I <laughs> No, that's brilliant. So, Guy, we will put all that in the show notes as well. Um, so, yeah, and we want to see more people racing. So come along and enjoy the Canics races. They are good fun. Um, they can be very muddy at times, but isn't Canicross isn't fun without mud, is it? So, um, but, yeah. So if you've got any more questions that you want to ask Dawn, then just contact her um, and if you find it out if it's right for you, but I'm sure it will be. Um, Dawn, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I will see you at a Canix race and maybe we'll get Michelle there at some point. Maybe. <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> so we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And if you get a moment, please leave us a review. We'll see you next time on Canicross Conversations. Thank you to our sponsor, Get Stronger, Run Faster 5K. Find out more about the course at the link in the show notes. It's great for canny crossers and runners to improve their 5K time and keep up with the dogs. And it will really help you to enjoy running more and avoid injury.